1: America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now, here is GP. The
2: super spectacular Sunday to 1 and all. Welcome into the Vivid Seat Studios for MLB overtime betting, Greg Peterson. Coming at you once again, and we've got a tremendous podcast for you. As Rich Holmberg, he does pre- and post-game work for the Tampa Bay Rays TV Network, is going to be joining me in the second segment. Very intriguing team. They had quite the interesting game yesterday, and he actually joined me from the ballpark. So that is going to be terrific. In the final segment, I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board in something I like to call touch them all. As always, this is a part of the podcast in which I like to answer the questions that you guys send me on Twitter. The Twitter mailbag's handle is at D1. Please, as always, send them to the timeline. Do not send them via DMs. The DMs are a place that Much like that big giant cookie jar, you can't be taking cookies out of it unless if you want to get absolutely no response whatsoever. Although back when you were sealing cookies out of the cookie jar, you received a response, but the cookie jar is empty. So you're not going to be able to seal from it. You're not going to get a response. Always send them into the timeline at GNR41, but we got in a very good question, so let's give you guys an answer.
1: So you have questions, and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag.
2: Tyler, at the handle TY, the number one, ER underscore PS, at GNR41, on paper, for example, the A's should win the rest of their games, but they won't. Do favorites strategically rest players on certain games in a series? This is one of these situations in which it's hard to be able to give you a all-encompassing answer because, well, you've got 30 different teams, 30 different managers. They all go about it a different way. Sometimes you get... Teams where they'll give pretty much everyone a rest. We saw this with the Boston Red Sox last year. They had an A team and a B team for some of their games. With other teams, you're going to give one guy a rest and everything like that. There will be skip starts. You see that noted with the lineups. And whenever you get a skip start, obviously, that's going to affect the line. So it's nothing that you can really not take into your handicapping because, well, if you go pitcher dependent, that is something that will be noted, though. If you do take action, that is something that you might want to take note of. And I personally have actually done a couple action bets just because it's one of these situations where September, if you know who's going to be pitching and you fear that there's going to be an opener, there will be nothing worse than having your bet voided. And some of these openers come in very, very late. So it is one of those situations where you do want to be mindful of that. But the best advice I could give you with this in regards to keeping up with players that are resting or not is to just listen to managerial press conferences and to be following team beat writers on Twitter because you could typically get information a little bit ahead of time in regards to this and plus if there is a situation where a starter is going to be scratched there was a situation like this earlier in the year with Marcus Stroman back when he was on Blue Jays everyone knew that he wasn't going to start it was announced several hours beforehand but on the betting board it was listed as Marcus Stroman you could have taken action there you would have been able to get a lot of value on the line so it is one of these things where I do think that when it comes to knowing what players are going to be in and out Just going to Twitter and being able to listen to these managerial press conferences after games is going to be very, very paramount. And you never know. Maybe you'll get tipped off as to a big-time slugger that's going to be out of the fold, that's going to adjust your handicapping, and you're able to get more value by either waiting or by firing right away, depending on what side you're on. So I do think that that'll be very beneficial to you because, like I said, with 30 different managers, you're going to have 30 different styles as to one guys right and one guys don't. So I think that that was a very terrific question. Thank you very much for that, Tyler. Now let's get to the part of the podcast where we take a look back at yesterday's results, tried to find some trends, and tried to become better handicappers from it.
1: What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. The
2: New York Yankees were able to take down the Toronto Blue Jays by a count of 7-2. to by the way, the New York Yankees now one of the top under teams out there when they are at home in the big leagues as 43.6% of their home games have went over and that means that over 56 of their games have went under. TJ Zoich went for the Toronto Blue Jays in this one. It wasn't bad for inning switch. He gives up two runs, both of which were earned. It was really Brock Stewart that gave it up out of the bullpen for the Toronto Blue Jays as the Blue Jays as a whole Went out of the bullpen for four innings. He gave up five runs, all of which were earned. Stewart gave up four of them. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, this is a team that just doesn't have a lot of batting average right now. Six total hits in this one. Two of seven with Ben in scoring position. And for the New York Yankees, they were able to get a home run off the bat of John Carlos Stanton. His second home run of the year and his first home run essentially... Since we thought that the Colorado Rockies were a decent team, so it had been a while. Six of eleven is what the Yankees went with men in scoring position, by the way, and James Faxon continues to roll. I believe that the Yankees have now won ten straight starts in which he's went out there six innings pitch he gives up one run it was unearned and then from there the bullpen winds up going three innings giving up one run so on all, all very good performance from the New York Yankees a very good performance from the St. Louis Cardinals offense as well as they wind up taking down the Chicago Cubs by count of nine to eight there were six lead changes in this one it was a wild and crazy game the Cardinals, by the way, now 17-4 and four in Dakota Hudson's last 21 starts. This one wasn't necessarily a result of him, though. He goes three innings. He gives up three runs, all of which were earned. He had four walks. Certainly had an issue with that. And then the bullpen from there, which has been the tops in the National League with regards to ERA ever since the All-Star break. They go and combine six innings. They give up in the process five runs, all of which were earned. But how about this for the St. Louis Cardinals? You had Yadier Molina going deep for his ninth home run of the year. Marcel Ozuna, his 29th, and Paul DeYoung his 28th, as for the Chicago Cubs. Their starter, Jose Quintana, also was not good. Three and a third innings, he gives up five runs, all of which were earned. Bullpen from there, a combined five and two-thirds innings, they wind up giving up four runs, all of which were earned. And I kept saying it on the podcast, and it's coming true. This Cubs bullpen is better without Craig Kimbrel. He gave up back-to-back home runs in the ninth inning. Now he's a six fifty three ERA. He has been downright awful for the Cubs. I would almost recommend betting against the Cubs in-game when you see Craig Kimbrel come out there. It's been that bad. And for the Cubs, they got some power of their own out of some unlikely places. Ian App is 7th home run of the year. Nico Horner is 3rd. And Tony Kemp is 1st. Those are not the guys you expect to be hitting home runs. But needless to say, that is a tough one for the Cubs as they have now lost 5 straight games at home. And the St. Louis Cardinals are now 30-11 and 11 in their last 41 games. The New York Mets may have just played themselves out of the wild card as they wind up losing the to the Cincinnati Reds by a count of three to two. For the Reds, they went 4 of 12 with men in scoring position, so they were able to cash in there. No home runs, but their home run was in the form of Anthony D. Scalfani, giving another good start. Six innings pitch, gives up two runs, but only one of which were earned. This is a man that, ever since the beginning of the month of June, has an ERA hovering right around 3-2, so he's certainly done his best. And for the Cincinnati Reds, the bullpen ever since the All-Star break. Bottom eight in the big leagues with regards to ERA, but on this day, three innings of scoreless baseball. And for the New York Mets, They wound up getting a pretty good start out of Zach Wheeler themselves. Seven innings pitch, he gives up two runs, only one of which were earned. And then the bullpen from there winds up giving up one run in one inning. Just a little bit of an unfortunate situation. It's for the Mets. Just not a lot doing on offense. 0 of 6 with Ben scoring position. Grand total three hits. Just one of those situations where they had nothing going. For the second straight day... The Tampa Bay Rays are able to walk it off in extra innings against the Boston Red Sox, 5-4 the final in this one. You remember that Tampa Bay Rays team that was winning every one of its games by two-plus runs? Well, that's a thing of the past, but how about Nate Lowe getting a walk-up home run in the 11th inning for the Rays, his 7th of the campaign, and then William Thomas, his 19th earlier in the game. Tyler Glasnow, as we expected, and we're going to be talking about this with Rich Holmberg about how the team is going to be handling their starters He only goes three innings in this one. He had seven strikeouts. He looked absolutely magnificent. And then from there, the Rays took the wholesale approach. A combined eight innings from everyone else. They give up four runs off, which were earned. Yoni Chirinos is now getting some run as a little bit more of a bulk guy as well. So you do want to note that. And for the Boston Red Sox, they were able to get a couple home runs themselves. Rafael Devers, his 31st home run of the year. Xander Bogart's his 32nd, and Mitch Moreland is 18th, as they were able to tie up the game late and force extra innings thanks to a two spot in the eighth inning. And for the Boston Red Sox, they also took the wholesale approach. You had Lankins getting the open for this team. He winds up recording five outs. And then from there, the team wasn't too bad. The bullpen essentially went eight and a third innings. They gave up five runs, all of which were earned. So it's a Boston Red Sox team that ever since the beginning of the month of August has had a top five bullpen ERA in the big leagues. In this one, though, they just got a little bit of a rough patch there in the late innings, giving up that two-run home run to Nate Lowe that walked it off. The Chicago White Sox have the most profitable pitcher in the big leagues on their team and his name is Nova, and they get another win when he's on the mound. 5-3 in the final. In this one, if you bet $100 on every one of Nova starts for the year, you are up over $1,125. And in this one, he goes five innings, giving up two runs, both of which were earned Bullpen from there was very good. They go three innings. They do give up a run, but it was an unearned run. And for the White Sox, they wind up being able to get a home run off the bat of Tim Anderson, his 18th of the campaign. And this is a White Sox team that left 12 men on base. So they certainly had opportunities that they didn't cash in as you had 28 total hits and eight runs. So... People like me that had the under, you got a little bit lucky on this one, but for the Detroit Tigers, not a whole lot doing with men in scoring position as they went one for seven with men in scoring position. And for Tyler Alexander, not necessarily the start that the team desired. Four and a third innings, he gives up three runs, all of which were earned. And the bullpen from there goes four and two thirds innings, they give up two runs. So not necessarily awful there, but for the Detroit Tigers, this is a team that over the last 50 games that they played, Over 75% of their games, they've scored four runs or fewer. So needless to say, the offense has been bad, but it's not quite as bad as this. The San Diego Padres lose to the Arizona Diamondbacks by a count of 4-2. to For the Padres, in games not played in Coors Field, in 23 of their last 27 games, they've scored four runs or fewer. That's absolutely atrocious. That's almost insane. I mean, wow. That's all I could say about that. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they were able to play a couple of runs late to be able to give them some insurance. And Luke Weaver wound up making his first start ever since I believe the month of May. And he was essentially a opener in this one. He goes two innings. He goes 19 pitches, and he looked very good. From there, you had the bullpen of the Arizona Diamondbacks, including Taylor Clark as a three inning bulk guy, going combined seven innings. They give up two runs, only one of which were earned. So they certainly did their job. And for the San Diego Padres, Cal Quantrill, a guy that had given up 28 earned runs over the course of his last four starts, actually looked good in this one. Five innings pitch, he gives up one run. That was an earned run. Bullpen from there let him down though. They give up a command three over the course of four innings. The Padres bullpen continues to be doing for some positive regression and just continues to not come And for the Padres. They don't have a lot of batting average in their lineup but they do have Hunter Renfro 33rd home run of the year that was really the lone offensive firework that this team was able to get whole lot of offensive fireworks from the Milwaukee Brewers though as they pulverized the Pittsburgh Pirates by a count of 10 to 1 the Pirates have now lost eight straight by the way and James Marvel well he was not marvelous he goes three and a third innings he gives up five runs all of which were earned you know what else wasn't marvelous the bullpen of the Pittsburgh Pirates they go four and two-thirds innings they give up five runs all of which were earned and for the Pittsburgh Pirates 0-3 oh, with runners in scoring position. Six men left on base. This is a team that's currently without Josh Bell, and they are currently without... Sterling Marte, and they're not generating runs, but they have still played right around 61% of their games to the over, which is the highest mark out there in the big leagues. And that's all because they gave up runs to the Milwaukee Brewers who got a pair of home runs in this one. Trent Grisham, his sixth home run in the campaign, and Keston Ura, hip hip era, his 18th home run of the year. And for Zach Davies, a quality start in this one. He didn't go far, only four innings, but he gives up one under and run. Bullpen from there, five innings, scoreless baseball. They were absolutely lights out, and the Milwaukee Bears continue to inch and inch closer to being able to make the postseason. The Philadelphia Phillies are looking to keep their playoff hopes alive, and they were certainly able to do that with a 9-4 win over the Cleveland Indians. For the Philadelphia Phillies, a late explosion for this team as they are able to hang three runs in the ninth inning to give them some insurance, and they have Jay Bruce back the fold. He gets his 12th home run of the year. Bryce Harper goes deep for his 33rd, and then Brad Miller. He gets his 6th and 7th home runs of the year, and for the Philadelphia if you feel he's like- Jason Vargas gave them some very good length. He did give up four runs, but only two of which were earned. He goes six and two-thirds innings in the process. And then from there, the bullpen of the Phillies, which has been one of the tops out there in the National League ever since the All-Star break. They go two and a third innings. They don't give up a single earned run. And for the Cleveland Indians, Zach Polisak wound up having the aggression set in that I thought was going to happen. He entered into this game with a fielding independent above a 5 sixty five ERA. Four and a third innings for him. He gives up four runs, all of which were earned. Then the Cleveland Indians, who have the top bullpen ERA up there in the big leagues, Go four and two-thirds innings. They give up five runs, four of which were earned. And for the Cleveland Indians, just not a lot of offensive opportunities. They actually took advantage of them quite well. Two of three with men in scoring position. But the main firework for this team, Oscar Mercado, his 13th home run of the year. A lot of offensive fireworks from the Kansas City Royals late in their game against the Minnesota Twins. They get a 12-5 win by scoring a touchdown in the ninth inning. The Royals made like the Kansas City Chiefs in this one as they were able to get a pair of home runs in this game. Ryan O'Hearn, his 14th home run of the year, and Chesler Cuthbert, his ninth of the campaign. That was of the three-run variety. And for the Kansas City Royals, Glenn Sparkman continues to be absolutely awful on the road. He's got an ERA approaching nine, four innings pitch, gives up five runs, four of which were earned but how about the bullpen? Five innings of scoreless baseball from the bullpen. They only give up two hits. This to a Minnesota Twins team that has set the record for most home runs in a season by a big league team. And for the Minnesota Twins, they were able to get a little bit of an unexpected home run in this one. As you've got all the mashers on this team, and yet it was Lamonte Wade Jr. who gave them their lone home run, his second home run of the year. The team went 3 of 8 with men in scoring position. And Jose Barrios has given up three or more earned runs. In now six out of his last eight starts, he gives up five over the course of six innings in this one. And then the bullpen of the Minnesota Twins, which had been looking better. Wow, they were bad. They gave up seven runs over the course of three innings, all of which came in that ninth inning. So needless to say, a little bit overwhelming there. Things got overwhelming thanks to the Atlanta Braves against the San Francisco Giants. They get an 8-1 win. Johnny Cueto, who had pitched two scoreless gems in his first two starts. In this one, he came back to reality. Four innings, which he gave up four runs, all of which were earned bullpen from there, which has been a little bit more shaky ever since the trade deadline. They give up a combined four runs over the course of four innings. And for the San Francisco Giants, one of seven men's scoring position. This is still a Giants team that I will point out as a underdog is right around fifty percent straight up and on the road actually still has a winning record. This dropped the San Francisco Giants road record to forty one and thirty nine, but the Atlanta Braves they're Fifty and 30 at home, and they've got some mashers on their team, one of which went deep in this one by the name of Adam Defal, his ninth home run of the year, and then Francisco Cervelli gets his second home run as an Atlanta Brave, and for Max Freed, he winds up advancing his record to 17-6 and if you've bet $100 on every one of his starts. You're in the top 10 with regards to most money made among starters. He's up right around $800, five and a third innings of scoreless baseball. Bullpen from there, looks to be getting better for the Atlanta Braves. They go three and two-thirds innings, giving up one run in the process, so obviously a very good result there. A very good result for the LA Angels as they were able to pull off a upset as a nearly $3 underdog against the Houston Astros, 8-4 the final in this one. Patrick Sandoval did not give the start that the team wanted, three innings pitch. He gives up three runs of which were earned. Bullpen from there, though, six innings, and they give up one unearned run, so they certainly did their part, and for the Angels, you have no Shohei Otani, no Mike Trout, no Justin Upton, but you do have Cole Cowan, his 33rd home run of the year. Daniel Fletcher is sixth. As for the Houston Astros, Wade Miley. Oh, boy. He has been hit like a wrecking ball. He is now in three out of his last four starts, went in inning or less. and this one, he goes one inning, giving up four runs, all of which were earned. Bullpen from there has to go eight innings. They give up four runs. Not necessarily great, but given the situation, it wasn't necessarily awful. For the U.S. Astros, they got a home run in this one off the bat of Jordan Alvarez, his 27th home run of the year. So needless to say, very interesting result there. Very interesting result that went down in Miami as well as the Washington Nationals blew a 4 to nothing lead in the bottom of the 8th inning, but they wind up hanging a touchdown without the extra point in the 10th inning against Miami Marlins to get a 10-4 win. Steven Strasburg has owned the Miami Marlins throughout his career, and he was terrific. 7-8 pitch, and he doesn't give up an earned run. And you guys know what's coming now. The man that blew it for the Washington Nationals, Fernand Oh no, Rodney! He gets one out and he gives up four runs, all which are earned. This guy is such a bum. Whenever you see him take the mound, just live bet the other side. Fernand, oh no, Rodney gives up four runs to the Miami Marlins. And then from there, the rest of the bullpen was able to do their job. But man, that is hilarious. And what else is very interesting is that the Washington Nationals were able to score all 10 of their runs without getting a home run. They wind up going 7-19 with men in scoring position. And for the Miami Marlins, they didn't get any home runs either, but they just banged around Fernand. Oh no, Rodney has... Jordan Yamamoto wind up making the start for the Miami Marlins as I'm just having fun with names at this point. For the third innings, he winds up giving up two runs, both of which were earned in the bullpen. Well, to call it a hot mess would be generous. Jose Ureña has been used out of the bullpen and it has not went well for him. He recorded five outs and he gave up three runs off which were earned. He now falls a four and ten on the year end. The bullpen by and large. Five and two-thirds innings. They give up eight runs, all of which were earned. Needless to say, that was not great. And what else was not great was the attendance. And you can help this by going to Vivid Seats on their app and typing in the promo code OVERTIME. That is all one word, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. You punch that in, and you get $100 off of all tickets. You can go to this poopy Miami Marlins game. You can go to Miller Park. You can go anywhere, concerts all sorts of sporting events, you name it. Type in the promo code, overtime, save $100 on all tickets. First time customers only are able to get this, but punch that into the Vivid seat set and help out the Miami Marlins with their attendance. A team that does not need a whole lot of help with their attendance, so the LA Dodgers, but they wind up losing to the Colorado Rockies by a count of 42. This is one of these situations in which the Colorado Rockies wound up using a opener for Gigi Gonzalez, as it was Kyle Freeland getting the first two innings of the game out of the way for him. He winds up not giving up a single earned run. And for Mr. Gonzalez, the team lost each of his first nine starts, but now they've won each of his last three. He winds up going in this one, a grand total of five innings. He gives up two runs, but they were both unearned. Eight punch outs, bullpen from there was able to handle the rest of the way. And for the Colorado Rockies, pair of home runs in this one, as they were able to get one off the bat of Ryan McMahon. That was his 23rd home run of the year. And then Mr. Josh Fuentes winds up getting his third home run of the year. And for the LA Dodgers, just not a lot of offense in this one. They get a grand total of six hits. And for Walker Buehler. He's a gentleman that has now given up four earned runs or more in six starts so far this year. Six innings pitch, gives up four runs, of which were earned, including two home runs. Bullpen from there was solid. They go three innings of scoreless baseball. But for Walker Buehler, this is his first home loss of the season in regards to a decision. So that is something that you do want to note. And the night wrapped up with the Oakland A's just pulverizing the Texas Rangers by a count of 12-3. to three. For the Oakland A's, it was just a hit parade early as they wind up hanging a touchdown with the extra point in the first inning. They get two more in the second. Brock Burke, not the start that you wanted for the Texas Rangers. He records two outs, and he gives up seven runs, all of which were earned. He now has a 7.43 ERA. And then the bullpen from there, they had to wind up going 7 and 3rd innings. They give up 5 runs, all of which were obviously not a great result, but not a great situation to be in. And for the Texas Rangers, all 3 of their runs came off of solo home runs. Elvis Andrews had left the building for his 11th home run of the year. Danny Satana is 26th, and Nick Solak is 5th. And for the Oakland A's, they were able to counter with a little bit of power themselves. Marcus Simeon is 32nd home run of the year. Mark Hanna is 26th. And for Sean Manea, this guy has been absolutely sensational since coming off the injured list. He goes five and two-thirds innings, giving up two runs, both of which were earned. He has now made four starts for this team. He is 3-0 with a 1-1-4 ERA. And then from there, the bullpen of the A's able to go a grand total of three and a third innings. They give up one run in the process. And then we did forget this result. I think it was almost intentionally, but it was a game as the Seattle Mariners wind up knocking off the Baltimore Orioles in 13 innings by a count of 7-6. to six. Speaking of teams that might need you to type in over time to the Vivid Seats app, well, the Baltimore Orioles' attendance not necessarily good either. And for the Seattle Mariners, they were able to get a pair of home runs in this one. Shedlong, his fifth home run of the year, and J.P. Crawford, his seventh as Justice Sheffield. Not the start that the Seattle Mariners wanted. Four and a third innings, he gives up four runs, all of which were an... Bullpen was actually solid, though. They go a grand total of eight and two-thirds innings, giving up two runs, so that was obviously very good for this team. And for the Baltimore Orioles, they were able to get a home run in this one off the bat of Austin. Don't call him Willie Mays, a say Hayes kid. His second home run of the year. His name is, by the way, Austin Hayes, so I was having fun with that one. And for Esher Wojciechowski, not an awful start. He winds up going four in a third innings. He gives up two runs, both of which were earned. Bullpen from there was actually let down by the fielding. They wind up giving up a grand total of four runs over the course of eight and two-thirds innings, but only three of which were earned. And the run that was given up late in the game that was off an air. So needless to say, things were a little bit brutal there for the Baltimore Orioles, but what else can you expect? It is the Baltimore Orioles. So what do we all learn from Major League Baseball on this Saturday? The New York Yankees are continuing to play unders at home, and James Baxson is looking like their ace. The St. Louis Cardinals just continue to go to Hudson starts. Meanwhile, the Cubs are now starting to fail themselves at home. Zach Wheeler is giving good starts for the New York Mets. Meanwhile, for the Cincinnati Reds, they continue to be the top under team out there in baseball, as they have also. Also been the top under ballpark in baseball as 60.6% of the Reds home games have went under so far this year. The Tampa Bay Rays just seem to be continuing to walk it off against the Boston Red Sox. And for the Boston Red Sox, they just don't have any starting pitching at this point. Yvonne Supernova continues to be profitable for the White Sox and the Tigers while they continue to not be able to hit. Stephen Strasburg continues to be absolutely masterful against the Miami Marlins. Meanwhile, Fernand, oh no! Rodney continues to blow things for a bad Washington Nationals bullpen. The Seattle Mariners are actually getting some decent inning right now, but it's coming against a Baltimore Orioles team that is a historically bad bullpen. The LA Angels are starting to get some good bullpen pitching after they were in the bottom five of the big leagues with regards to bullpen ERA in the month of August. Meanwhile, Wade Miley... Well, he is being hit and he is being hit hard. It is not a party in the USA for him. The Kansas City Royals are all of a sudden getting a little bit of offensive for the Minnesota Twins. Looks like their bullpen might be failing them a little bit, but even worse. Jose Barrios, certainly not giving good starts right now. The Philadelphia Phillies continue to be an all-or-nothing team and it looks like regression starting to set in for Zach Plesak. The Milwaukee Brewers continue to get tremendous pitching. Meanwhile, the Pittsburgh Pirates, they continue to play overs, but it's because they're giving up all the runs. Looks like Johnny Cueto has seen a little bit of regression set in for him. Meanwhile, the Atlanta Braves continue to be absolutely magnificent at home. The San Diego Padres just can't put up runs on the board. Meanwhile, the Arizona Diamondbacks, they're actually getting some good bullpen pitching themselves. The LA Dodgers continue to be very dominant at home, but how about chi Gonzalez in the way that he's pitching? And by the way, just how dominant are the LA Dodgers at home so far this year? Their record 58 and 22, but I will say this the New York Yankees very silently very close on their heels, 56 and 24, so they're not far off. And to wrap it up, the Oakland A's are getting tremendous starts out of Sean Manea and the Texas Rangers, well, Brock Burke is not doing his job. So, that is what we all learned from Major League Baseball on Saturday. Now let's just get a little bit of an insider's look at the Tampa Bay Rays, how they are going to be going about this next week, a possible playoff run, and all that good stuff. Rich Holmberg, going to be joining me next, he does. Tampa Bay Rays, TV, free, and post-game work. And that is right here on MLB Overtime Betting.
1: Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia hotline.
2: And we are back here in the Vivid Seat Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you once again. And it is great to have on our next guest as he's actually joined me Live from the stadium, Tropicana Field, for one of the team's weekend series games, it is Rich Holmberg who does pre- and post-game work for the Tampa Bay Rays. You can follow him on Twitter at Rich on Sports. You've heard him before on College Hoops Overtime Betting, as well as he does some terrific work with ESPN covering college basketball. Right now, he's in the middle of covering the Rays as they are looking to make the postseason as they have a big weekend series with the Boston Red Sox. And Rich, how are you doing today?
0: Good, Greg. Always great to be with you.
2: Always great to be with you as well. And we're recording this for our Sunday morning podcast, and it looks like on Sunday it is going to be Brian Yarbrough going for the Tampa Bay Rays. And I've been very intrigued by his growth and development this year. He obviously didn't have his best start in his last time out, but all in all, Ryan Yarbrough, ever since the All Star break, has been In my opinion, one of the top pitchers in all of baseball. What have you seen from Ryan Yarbrough that has allowed him from being more of a bulk guy to really being able to take control and not just be a good starter, but a very good starter?
0: Yeah, you're right on point with Ryan Yarbrough's progression this year. And I think it's obviously, Greg, one of those situations where... When opportunity knocks, you got to be ready to answer the door, and Ryan Yarborough was brought up through the minor league system. You know, he didn't come over from the Rays uh farm system. He came over in a trade with Seattle, but he was always a starter. And when the Rays decided they were going to go and roll the dice on these openers, he was a rookie who bought in as the bulk guy and ended up with 16 wins in his rookie year. But clearly, anybody with the arm talent that Ryan Yarbrough has wants to be a starter in the big leagues. And given the opportunity this year with the rash of injuries that the Rays had with their starting rotation, Ryan Yarbrough was able to step in and prove to everybody in this organization and all around Major League Baseball that he's not just a serviceable starter, he is a top-line starter. And you know, as good as Charlie Morton has been all year, and some might even make the case that Charlie Morton is the MVP of this Rays team. I think Ryan Yarbrough has been one of, if not the best pitchers in the American League since the All-Star break. He has been simply dominant. And yeah, his last couple of starts, there have been uh, they haven't been as electric as the previous. But you're talking about a two, two-and-a-half-month window where Ryan Yarbrough has been as accountable as any starter in the league When your team goes out with him on the mound every five days, you feel like your team's got a better than good chance to get a W.
2: I am right there with you. You speak of the injuries to the Tampa Bay Rays system, and it's one of these situations where they're getting all the guys back at the right time. Tyler Glasnow has been able to make a couple starts for this team. He's been mainly going about three or so innings, and Blake Snell made his return a few days ago against the L.A. Dodgers. He went two innings in that one. Is this a situation where It's essentially going to be wholesale approaches whenever these guys go at it, and they're going to be used for about three or so innings until they're able to get ramped back up.
0: Well, listen, Kevin Cash has said from almost game one of this season, Greg, that every game gets treated like a playoff game. And when you look back, especially over the last couple few years in the playoffs— It's all hands on deck. You have Chris Sale closing out the World Series last year. A couple years ago, ironically enough, it was Charlie Morton. So the role that Tyler Glass now and Blake Snell are playing right now is because they're coming back from injury. But I don't think it's going to be too different come playoff time because they're going to be used as fit and as needed in a tight game. Kevin Cash now has that luxury instead of having to keep his fingers crossed and hope that they're going to be back and healthy enough Both of those guys have proven that they are back and healthy enough. But I think that given the situation where they're in right now, you know, fighting for their lives, getting into the American League playoffs, I think the Rays are going to use them as much and as specialized as they can use them. Just like any team would use a frontline starter right now, if you get enough rest chances are you're going to see at least an inning or two to pitch against the team.
2: Absolutely, as we do have Rich Hollenberg, does terrific work for the Tampa Bay Rays, pre and post game. He's joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting, and this is a very interesting race that the Tampa Bay Rays are And Obviously, they're not going to be able to win the AL East, but they right now have this series against the Boston Red Sox. They then play a three-game set against the New York Yankees, and then they play the Toronto Blue Jays. Obviously all very critical games, and What do you make of the Tampa Bay Rays and their schedule? Because we know that they're fighting neck and neck with the Cleveland Indians to try to get into this playoff race. And I do think that the Rays' schedule is a little bit tougher. But at the same time, I think that if the Rays are able to get in, they actually set themselves very well for a one-game wild card against the Oakland A's.
0: Well, here's the thing. I mean, obviously, when you look at it on paper, you say Red Sox and Yankees at home oh, that's difficult, to above 500 teams where Oakland doesn't have to play any above 500 teams the rest of the way. But Oakland does have to play in their division and on the road and no matter how good or bad those teams are specifically the Angels and the Mariners you're still going on the road and those teams are professional teams with professional hitters and professional pitchers and you know what their season might not be playoff seasons but those seasons will boil down to pride and wanting to win and play spoiler against a team like the Oakland A's so I don't think that you could judge the remainder of the schedule based on how many games you play above 500 teams versus how many games you play below 500. They're only playing two games against the Yankees later this week, and the Yankees have had their number all year long, as they have for most teams in the American League, if you really look at it. I'm a big believer in water finding its level, and I think that plays in the Rays' favor instead of against the Rays, the fact that the Yankees have fairly dominated them most of this year. I think the Rays are a good enough team and are playing good enough baseball right now that they have a really strong chance to take both of those games in a two-game series rather than just, you know, submit to the Yankees who have already won over 100 games this season. They're not going to have to face Herman uh, obviously because of the allegations against him. CC Sabathia You don't know what you're going to get from him. I've never really had a whole lot of confidence in this Yankees pitching staff, and with the way the Rays are pitching, I feel pretty confident about them going up against any offense in baseball, including New York's.
2: And you're probably going to see Masiur Tanaka as well. This is a guy that the Yankees have won 15 out of his last 20 starts, but at the same time, in that time span, Masiur Tanaka, ERA above a 5 as well, and with the Tampa Bay Rays as well, one thing that we've noticed with this team is that everyone always says, oh, they've got to a bunch of good bats so they don't necessarily have one great one I would have to argue with that Austin Meadows right now playing some very good baseball entering into the set with Boston Red Sox 32 in runs hitting right around at 290 spent a little bit banged up but it seems like he's fully healthy I think that he might be the most underrated player out there in the American League right now
0: Greg I will give you one interesting note on Austin Meadows to validate what you just said in last week's series against the Los Angeles Dodgers maybe the odds-on favorite to win the mvp in the national league cody bellinger if you compare his numbers up and down the board against austin meadows since the all-star break austin meadows wins in virtually every category i don't think anybody around baseball would recognize that without looking at it themselves but austin meadows has been that good since the all-star break and then you you factor in the fact that in the first month and a half of the season he might have been the best player in the american league it has been a breakout season maybe a little bit ahead of schedule than most people anticipated he's only 24 this is his first full season with the rays he was a september call up last year after the trade deadline deal brought him over from pittsburgh he has been every bit as valuable to his team as anybody else you could say an individual player is for their team
2: I do agree with you, as we do have Rich Hollenberg of Rays pre- and post-game work joining me right here on the podcast. And the Rays went out and made a couple moves at the trade deadline as well. The Rays typically aren't buyers, but they did bring in a couple of Eric Sogard, guy that's really been in and out of the lineup for the Rays. He hasn't played too many games for them. And Jesus Aguiar has been a little bit in and out of the lineup as well. But whatever he's been in there, he has been doing a very good job for the Rays. I am personally a Milwaukee Brewers fan. He was doing nothing for the team this year. Last year, he was absolutely tremendous. What do you think of Spartacus Aguiar? Because ever since he's gotten to the race, hitting just below 300, and he looks like his old self.
0: Yeah, he looks like his old self, but I don't think the Rays brought him over to be a singles hitter. He's been a dynamite singles hitter. I always said just the threat of the big bat from Jesus Aguilar is what they wanted. What they need is home runs, and he provided a huge one against the Dodgers in L.A. The home runs have been few and far between, and still, he's a great influence in the dugout. He's a veteran guy. The Rays are mostly a young team, so I really like what Jesus Aguilar adds to this lineup and just makes it a thicker lineup up and down. They don't have to start him every game, but they could bring him off the bench in situations where a lefty reliever comes in against them and so on and so forth and really not to be overlooked when you mentioned trade deadline and getting Sogard and getting Aguilar that's on the offensive end one of the biggest pickups of any team that has turned out to be from the trade deadline is them getting Nick Anderson from the Miami Marlins he has been absolutely lights out as a late bullpen guy setup man usually coming in in the eighth inning he just showed a couple of chinks in the armor recently but I mean you're talking about a guy at the time that we're talking 35 strikeouts and only one walk he has been better than advertised when the Rays brought him over
2: oh I totally agree with you and the Rays bullpen we always know that it's good but I feel like it's been exceptional recently and I think that this is a team that even though they've got a bunch of guys are going one or two innings the fact that they were able to bring up so many guys with the September call-ups, I'd argue was a big advantage for the Rays in September rather than so many other teams, because with the Rays, you don't necessarily have that one arm that you necessarily look to for a whole bunch of dynamic innings or everything like that, but you just have a whole bunch of solid guys. I feel like that's something that not a lot of other teams have been able to duplicate.
0: Solid guys, and I'll see your comment and raise you. The reason that this benefits the Rays when they're competitive in September is most of their September call-ups have already had at least a taste of Major League Baseball action. The Rays utilize their 40-man rotation more effectively than any team in baseball. They are constantly dipping into Triple-A Durham. So while it might not be the pressure situations that they're used to, they certainly know what it's like to be a big leaguer and play with the Rays' big league roster, and I think that really helps and shows itself, Cup September, the fact that they've got many, many reps during the regular season.
2: I think that it is a very big advantage for the Rays as well as we do have Rich Homburg joining me right here on the podcast. And right now it's looking like we've got three teams for two spots. I think the Oakland A's are probably going to be able to make the postseason in some form or capacity. If the Indians somehow, someway pass up the Minnesota Twins in the AL Central, I'll be really surprised. But I think it's really coming down to the Indians and the Rays. Indians right now in a big series with the Phillies before they get the Chicago White Sox. If you had to pick right now, Do you think that the Rays would be able to make the postseason over the Indians?
0: Yes, I do. And maybe I'm just too close to the topic and maybe I've drank the Kool-Aid after watching this team for 150-plus games. But the way that the Rays play baseball, I think they will find a way to get enough wins to get more wins than the Cleveland Indians. And the hardest thing for the Indians is that they have to end the season not only on the road, but on the road in a National League park. They're playing the Washington Nationals. So you lose the designated hitter. You're playing against a Nationals team that is also fighting for their playoff lives. I think that's a tougher three-game series than the Rays have when they're going to be on the road against Toronto, a team that is not very good. They have a lot of dangerous bats, certainly, but not very good, and the Rays usually hit really well in Toronto. So I think it's going to come down to the final few games of the season, and I think it's advantage Tampa Bay.
2: I think that it's going to come down to the bitter end as well. It's been a really good race. And, Rich, you've been around it all year long. The Tampa Bay Rays have played some tremendous baseball, and you do some tremendous work. People can follow you at Rich on Sports. Let the good people at home know what they can expect from you and just all the work that you're doing right now and in the future because I know you do great work in college basketball as well.
0: Yeah, well, I appreciate that, Greg. We're sticking with the team as long as they – are in the playoffs, we'll be doing shows from our studio, and uh, hopefully that's an extended run into October. You certainly never know. But then I get a month off, and then it's right back to the college basketball grind. And really looking forward to it. I think this season is going to be exciting. I know a lot of people are coming out with their early top 25s, and a lot of the usual suspects are in there. But I look forward to some teams that might have had down years last year, coming back and playing strong this year, specifically in the Big 12 Conference, a team like Oklahoma, and even a team like Oklahoma State, I think uh, the Big 12 is as as deep and talented as it's been in a long time.
2: I am looking forward to college basketball as well. Once baseball is done, I'm going to be diving head into that as well. So a big thanks to Rich Holmberg, one of the best in the business, for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And coming up next, it is that time in the podcast, in which I give you a side in total on every game on today's Las Vegas Betting Board. And we do so in a little something I like to call Touch them all.
1: Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it.
2: And a big thanks to Rich Holmberg doing pre and post game work for the Tampa Bay Rays TV network for joining me in the last segment as we're back here in the Vivid Seat Studios from MLB Overtime Betting. Now it is that time the podcast in which I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas Betting Board, and we do so in a little something I like to call Touch'em All.
1: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all.
2: And it is also that time for the normal disclaimer. Some of these plays are all locked in, good to go, bet on, everything like that. Some of these plays were in C mode, waiting on lineup changes, line moves. Some of these games are off the board. And for all those games are off the board and all those things are a change, that will be noted on my Twitter feed at JanuarySquarty1. As we go through the podcast, I'll let you know what's all locked in and what is all pending as well. And as per usual... Going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. Starting with 901, 902 on the banging rotation. You've got the New York Mets hitting the road to face off against the Cincinnati Reds. Trevor Bauer goes for the Reds. Meanwhile, Marcus Stroman for the New York Mets. Your total on this game is 8.5. juice of minus 120. The under is even. If you're looking at the Mets, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 110 and minus 114. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Reds as anywhere between even and plus 104, this is a spot where I've certainly got to be taking a look at the New York Mets. Trevor Bauer looked better in his last start, but ever since he's come over to Cincinnati, he has been a little bit of a hot mess, giving up right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings as a Cincinnati Red, doing 4 record, 639 ERA. He's also had some shaky command, giving out right around 3.5 walks per nine innings. Meanwhile, Marcus Stroman didn't necessarily get off to the best start with the New York Mets, but he has given up a grand total of one run over his last two starts. This is very much a ground ball pitcher, and the Mets, truth be told, aren't necessarily the best at being able to field ground balls, but he's doing a better job of being able to limit the long ball. That was a little bit of an issue for him in his first couple of starts with the New York Mets and for the Mets, they do back him up with a very good lineup they weren't able to bust through yesterday, but you still have in the fold guys like JD Davis, Jeff McNeil, Wilson Ramos, all these guys sitting between a 290 and a 320. And in the case of Davis along with Ramos and Amit Rosario, all these guys ever since the All Star Break have been batting a 320 or greater. Amit Rosario sitting right around two ninety himself. You've got Michael Conforto, Todd Frazier, Robinson Cano, all in between a two forty six and a two fifty nine. In the case of Conforto, he's got 30 plus home runs then you've got that man with 50 home runs Pete Alonso waiting at 265 he has been absolutely sensational for the team and for the Cincinnati Reds starting to get a little bit more out of Artie Stedis Aquino now he has been heating up a little bit as you've got a lot of guys on this team hitting between I would say a 260 and a 273 Eugenio Suarez Joey Votto, Aristides Aquino, all among them. Nick Senzel was as well, but he is currently injured. You also have Kirk Hazelli hitting right around at 250. Need a little bit more out of guys like Blandino, Jose Peraza, Tucker Barnard. All these guys in between at two. 25 and a 241. Phil Bervin has been nice for this team, though. He and Jose Oasis in between a 284 and a 290. And for the Cincinnati Reds, this is a case where I do think the bullpen is going to wilter on them a little bit. This is a bullpen that ever since the All-Star break ranks in the bottom eight in the big leagues with regards to ERA. Meanwhile, the Mets bullpen ever since the All-Star break, top six in the big leagues with regards to ERA. So this is one of these spots which I'm going to be taking a look at the New York Mets. And I'm going to be taking this total. Under this total, opened up at 9, actually. And I locked in the 9. I just didn't mess around. I just took it when I had it. Meanwhile, with the Mets, currently Wayne Seamut. I've seen a little bit of money coming in on the Cincinnati Reds. Looks like there might be a little bit of buyback here on the Mets. So, monitoring that situation closely. 9.03, 9.04 on the bang rotation. The Miami Marlins are going to be playing also the Washington Nationals. Austin Voth goes for the Nats. Meanwhile... Pablo Lopez for the Miami Marlins. Your total on this game is 9. Over and under, both at minus 110. If you're looking at the Nationals, you're laying anywhere between minus 190 and minus 205. Meanwhile, the plus price here on the Miami Marlins, anywhere between plus 170 and plus 185. This is a spot where I've just got to be taking a look at the Nationals. Ever since one, Pablo Lopez has come off the injured list. has not went well for him. Prior to going on the injured list, he was giving up Right around a home run per nine innings, give or take a little bit. ERA hovering right around a 4.25, and a lot of that was just because of one bad start against the New York Yankees. Ever since coming off the injured list, his ERA has been north of a six. He has been serving up the home runs at a rate of about two per nine innings. has good command with regards to the walks. Meanwhile, with Austin Both. This is an intriguing guy in that he hasn't seen a whole lot of action so far this year, but whenever he's been trotted out there, he really hasn't been bad. He's made three appearances in the month of September. They have won a grand total of 11 innings, giving up three runs. And he's gotten in that time 14 strikeouts, so not necessarily bad there. In the month of July he made two starts. Across those two starts, 10 in the third innings, he gave up five runs. So it's one of these situations where you can't expect Austin Voth to be the Mona Lisa Vito pitching here or anything like that, but he does a very serviceable job for this team and with the Washington Nationals, they do back him up with a very good lineup and that is headlined by Anthony Rendon along with Juan Soto. Both these guys have an on-base percentage above a 400. Both these guys 34-plus home runs, over 100 RBI. And then you got Trey Turner down for what and Anna Eaton at the top lineup. Trey Turner down for what has been absolutely sensational with his batting average above a 290. Adam Eaton hitting more in the realm of a 280 himself. Do have a couple guys that do need to pick it up with the bat. Jan Gomes, Michael A. Taylor, Brian Dozier, along with Matt Adams. They're all guys hitting below a 240, but you also do have a bullpen that was very well rested because they were able to get a very good start out of Steven Strasburg yesterday. That is key because the Washington Nationals, as we know, have a bottom-down bullpen with regards to ERA, and you do have a couple guys that are coming through as well. Ezerba Cabrera and Victor Robles both hitting a 254 for the team, but has ever since joined the Nationals. Ezerba Cabrera hitting more in the realm of a 300 as well, and the Miami Marlins just can't match up with that. I will say that Miguel Roas, along with Eric Cooper, who's currently injured, by the way, have been doing a good job hitting right around 280. but then you do have Migarius Sierra. He's hitting well above a 300. it It's been a nice little find for the team, and they've needed it because you do have a couple other guys that are doing a decent job for the team. Brian Alday's hitting a at 291. Harold Ramirez, Sterling Castro, Neil Walker, other guys of this ilk have been hitting between a 260 and a 270. But then you've got Austin Dean hitting at 220, Martín Prado hitting at 235, He's on Diaz, Curtis Granderson. These guys are hitting below 200, and this is a team that is dead last in the big leagues with regards to runs per game and it's really interesting because they play over 60% of their home games the over and with Pablo Lopez this is a guy that I just don't trust he hasn't been the same ever since coming off the injured list I think that he should be hit hard so for that reason we are going to be looking at the Nationals on the run line and the total over with regards to the over hoping to get a little bit of better juice on this one meanwhile taking a look at this run line is currently minus 125 like to lay a little bit less of a number if at all possible 9.05, 9.06 on the bagging rotation. The Atlanta Braves are going to be playing also the San Francisco Giants. Logan Webb goes for the Giants. Meanwhile, Dallas Keuchel for the Atlanta Braves. Your total on this game is 9.5. Under is just a minus 120. The over is even. If you're looking at the Atlanta Braves, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 210 and minus 220. Meanwhile, the plus price here on the Giants anywhere between plus 185 and plus 190. Logan Webb got off to a good start to his career, but ever since then, things have been spiraling downward a little bit. Meanwhile, with the San Francisco Giants, this is still a team that has a top seven bullpen with regards to ERA out there in the big leagues. But you have noticed that ever since the All-Star break, it has been wiltering a little bit. I will say this for Logan Webb. He's not necessarily giving up a whole bunch of long balls right around 1.3-ish per nine innings, but he has given up three earned runs or more in each of his last three starts and in four out of his last five, so that certainly has not been going well for him, which means that you are going to have to dig into that bullpen. Meanwhile, Dallas Keuchel got off to a little bit of a rocky start with the Atlanta Braves sort of to be expected because he didn't get signed until late in the year, and he did in his most recent start give up five runs and five innings, but prior to that start, He had went a grand total of six starts, giving up a combined three earned runs. So he was very good before that last start against Philadelphia Phillies. I think he'll be able to pick himself up. He's given up right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings, fewer than three walks per nine. So he has certainly been a rock there. And with the Atlanta Braves, you've got by far the better offense. So I will say this for the Giants. They're averaging just right around 3.2 runs per game whenever they are at home on the road. More like 5.1 to 5.2. So they certainly do have some splits there. And the Giants, a winning record on the road. And as an underdog, straight up, they're right around 500. but this is an Atlanta Braves team that just has a little bit too much. You've got Ronald Acuna Jr. with 41 home runs and a 280 batting average. He has been absolutely sensational for this bunch. And then you add into the full Josh Donaldson, who's got 36 home runs of his own. He's hitting right around at two fifty five And Dansby Swanson, along with Brian McCann, are both hitting in that realm as well, along with... Austin Duvall, all these guys saying between a 245 and a 255 to go along with Donaldson. You also are noticing that Freddie Freeman has been absolutely sensational. Over 100 RBI, 300 batting average, 38 home runs for him. And the team is right now trying out a couple different guys as well. They're trying to see if Billy Hamilton, Francisco Cervelli, and Edenia Faria cast off with other teams can make a little bit of an impact for the team. You know, i have Austin Riley and Adam Duvall as well. A couple young guys that are up at the big league level getting some at-bats. And for the San Francisco Giants... You have a lot of guys on this team that are just hitting between a 250 and a 260. Mauricio Dubin, Austin Slater, Buster Posey, Evan Longoria, Kevin Pilar, all in that realm. Pilar along with Evan Longoria and Mike Ustromsky are all guys with 19 to 21 home runs. Mike Ustromsky hitting more around a 270 as well. So that's been big. You are noticing that a couple of guys like Jeff Rickard and company are not doing a lot. And Donovan Solano been hitting about 300 for this team. Not sure why he hasn't really gotten more at-bats with this team. And Adam Dickerson, whenever he's been in there, he's been pretty solid. And for the Atlanta Braves, this is a team with a bottom tempo bullpen with regards to ERA ever since the All-Star break, but they do seem to be rounding into form a little bit. I do think that Dallas Keuchel is going to be able to give a much better start here than Logan Webb. I think that Logan Webb just gets blown up in this situation, and I think that it leads to the Braves putting up a lopsided win. So for that reason, we're going to be looking at the Braves on the run line, and I'm going to be Looking at this total over, would like to see if this total dips down to nine. Currently, seeing it at a nine and a half. And with this run line, it is currently a minus 110 with the Braves. We'd like to be able to get even money if at all possible, but we are going to be riding out both of those. Game 907 908 on the banging rotation. You got the Pittsburgh Pirates, and they are on the road facing off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Brandon Woodruff is going to be going for the Milwaukee Brewers. Meanwhile, Trevor Williams goes for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Total on this game is nine. Under Zeus is minus 115. The over is minus 105. Plus by here on the Pirates, anywhere between plus 225 and plus 250 with the Brewers. You're laying anywhere between minus 270 and minus 290. I just have a tough time putting this much faith in Brandon Woodruff. Now, Trevor Williams has been bad, and that's putting it very politely, but with that said, with Brandon Woodruff last time out, he wound up going two innings. He still is one of the top ten most profitable pitchers out there in the big leagues. If you bet $100 on every one of his starts, you're up over $600. Guy is electric stuff. He's getting right around 11 strikeouts per nine innings, but he's giving you, like, probably three innings in this spot. Meanwhile, Trevor Williams, yeah, it's been bad, and there's no sugarcoating it. He somehow, someway has a seven and seven record despite the five five nine ERA. He actually had the best ERA in the big leagues among qualifying starters after the All Star break last year. But this is also a gentleman that has given up at least three runs in all but two of his starts since the beginning of the month of August. And with that said, he has given up at least four runs in six out of his last eight starts. Now, with the Milwaukee Brewers, you certainly. Aren't having as much firepower in the lineup without Christian Yelich, but this is a group that has really been able to pick up the pieces without him. You've got Kessen here hitting right around a 300, and Ryan Brown a 280. Both these guys have some very good power. You then have Yasmani Grandal, who's went deep about 27 times so far this year. He, along with so many others, are hitting in between a 249 and about a 265. He, Trent Grisham, Mike Moustakis, Eric Thames, Lorenzo Cain, Ben Gamble, all in that neighborhood. And with Mike Moustakis, he's been doing a great job of being able to go yard as well. This is a gentleman that currently has 35 home runs on the year. You do need a little bit more out of a couple of the other bats, as Hernan Perez, Travis Shaw, Orlando Arcia, and Manny Pina, all below a 235, but this is a pretty f- solid bunch. Meanwhile, the Pittsburgh Pirates, this bunch is all sorts of banged up as you've got Suringa Marte and Josh Bell at the fold. So for that reason, you're not having a whole lot of power out there. We'll say that you've got some guys hitting for a good average. Brian Reynolds and like Kevin Newman, both hitting above a 310. You then have Colin Moran, Adam Frazier, and Jacob Sellings. All in between a 270 and a 281. Jose Azuna, not far behind, right around a 265. Whenever you have Elias, he is out there. He's hitting right around a 240, but the injuries have caused guys like Kevin Kramer, Eric Gonzalez, Pablo Reyes and company to get some more appearances at the plate and these guys are all hanging a 230 or lower. They're dealing with the loss of Felipe Vasquez so the bullpen is not as good as it was before, but with the Milwaukee Brewers, you've also got to be thinking that their bullpen is getting a little bit tired as well. I think that this is a spot in which Trevor Williams can give a good start. And I think the Brewers have just overtaxed their bullpen a little bit more, and this is a spot where the Pirates, who by the way have lost eight straight games, so it's not like they've been flames, are going to be able to get them. So for that reason, we're looking at this total over, and we're going to be looking at the massive plus price here of the Pittsburgh Pirates. It just keeps climbing. climbing. When I went on this podcast, it was 235. It's already up to 250, so I'm in waiting seam on both of these and total did open up at eight and a half looking to see if it dips down a little bit as well. 909, 910 on the bank rotation. The Chicago Cubs are going to be playing also the Sables Cardinals. Miles Mikolas goes for the Cardinals. Meanwhile, you Darvish goes for the Cubs. There's no total on this game because the game is at a field. That'll be up in the morning. Meanwhile, Cubs laying anywhere between minus 138 and minus 145. Plus price here on the Cardinals anywhere between plus 128 and plus 130. Miles Mikolas has had his struggles away from St. Louis. He's got an ERA north of five whenever he hits the road. Meanwhile, you Darvish, I do recognize he gave up four runs in his last start, but from two starts ago to his last start, had at one time a nine-inning stretch in which he had 24 strikeouts, and he got 11 strikeouts in the first 12 outs that he recorded in his last start. So, this is a guy that has been much, much better since the All Star break. He's had three occasions where he's given up more than three earned runs, but other than that, he's really given up two earned runs or fewer in pretty much every other start. He's got an ERA ever since the All Star break that is hovering right around 825. He's done a better job of being able to limit the long ball. Now, for the year, he is still giving up right around 1.65 home runs per nine innings, but Mr. Mikolas, he 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 is a gentleman that is giving up right around 1.35 per nine innings. The walks are not an issue with Miles, but with that said, with the Chicago Cubs, they were able to play some runs yesterday. Now, the bullpen was not necessarily the best for them, but with both these teams, they have had top five bullpens with regards to ERA in the National League so far this year. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, it's in the top three in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break, and the Chicago Cubs actually are not too far behind, and they also have Anthony Rezzo, Nick Cassianos, Chris Bryant, all at the top line these guys are in between a 282 and a 292. All these guys, 25 plus home runs on the year. Kyle Schwarber has been able to go deep quite a bit as well. He's got 37 home runs. Batting average is all the way up to a 244 on base percentage has been pretty solid as well. Got a lot of guys that are hitting in that realm of, I would say, a... 255 and a 271 as well. Ben Zobras, Victor Carantini, Jason Hayward, David Bodie, all in that realm. And then you have Javi Baez right now in a pinch hitting role. He's able to hit a 281, so he's able to give you a little bit of something. And Nico Horner in his limited amount of opportunities hitting above a 280, that's been nice. Need a little bit more out of guys like. Ian Happen company, but even Wilson Contreras, though he hasn't necessarily been his full self, he's been able to supply a little bit of something. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, got to like the way that Tommy Edman and Colt Wong have been carrying the offense. Both these guys hitting between a 282 and a 292. Then you've got the middle lineup that has a lot of guys hitting between, I would say, a 242 and a 260. Dexter Fowler, Paul Goldschmidt, Marcel Ozuna, Paul Young's just below that at 238, but then you've also got the pinch hitter Ravello there. Jose Martinez is sitting at 265, so got a lot of guys there. And in the case of Ozuna, DeYoung, and Paul Goldschmidt, all these guys have between 28 and 31 home runs, so got quite a bit of power there. Yadio Munoz, whenever he's making an appearance, he's been able to do a decent job of being able to get on base, sitting right around at 270. So you don't necessarily have great bats, but at the same time. They are formidable ones with this pitching matchup. Probably going to be looking at under, but I do know that the Cubs have had a lot of success with batting against Miles Mikola. so for that reason, going to be looking at the Chicago Cubs here. Noticing that this open up at minus 145, it's dipping a little bit, so I'm in Wayne Seam mode there, and obviously I can't bet the total with no line on the board. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting rotation. The LA Dodgers play to the Colorado Rockies. Hyunjin Ryu goes for the Dodgers. Meanwhile, Antonio Sanzatello for the Colorado Rockies. Your total on this game is 9-under. war between. Between minus 115 and minus 120. The overs are anywhere between even a minus 105. If you're looking at the Dodgers playing anywhere between minus 360 and minus $4. Plus price here on the Rockies is anywhere between plus $3 and plus 310. I will say Antonio Senzatella has been better in his most recent couple starts and hundred Ryu certainly had his struggles. He had a Four start stretch in which he gave up three earned runs or more. He certainly has not looked like the same pitcher that he was at the beginning of the year. And there was a point, I believe, about a month ago that I was on this podcast talking about him having a one five ERA that has ballooned up to a two three five. And I'm able to say ballooned up to a two three five. But with that said. It is one of these situations where reality has come back to Hunjin Ryu, his last start against the Mets. He winds up giving up no runs over the course of seven innings, but you do need to see a little bit more out of him. Meanwhile, with Antonio Sensatella, we've seen a lot of this guy, and it's not good. 683 ERA. He's not getting a whole lot of swings and misses, right around four and a half strikeouts for nine innings. And you just take a look at his recent work. He's given up fewer than four earned runs in one start ever since the end of June. And in all but two of those starts, he's given up at least five runs. So he's been lending himself to a lot of contact, hard, soft, Sideways, he just gets hit in every way possible. I always say that if your whip would be a pretty good bench press for a set of ten, you're not doing quite well. I wish I could bench 174 pounds for a set of ten. And for the LA Dodgers, they're going to be coming at him with one of the best lineups that you're going to find, and they are headlined by that man, Cody Bellinger, a gentleman with a batting average above a 300. He's went deep 44 times, over 100 RBI. You now have David Freeze back in the fold. He's hitting right around a three fifteen. Justin Turner down for what? Has been doing a great job as well. He and Gavin Lux inning between a 285 and a 290, and he's back in the fold. Then I have Chris Taylor, Kyle Seager, and A.J. Pollock going between a 260 and a 270. A couple guys that need to pick it up, like your Austin Barnes, Russell Russell Martinson company, but Will Smith getting a home run every 12 or so at-bats as well. And then for the Colorado Rockies, this is a team that... Scores the most runs per game whenever they're at home on the road. It's a different story. they are more around the 20-ish range in regards to runs per game, but you still do have some good bats out there. Trevor Story has been able to supply over 30 home runs. He's got over 20 stolen bases and is sitting nearly at 300. Charlie Blackman, though his batting average on the road is more like a 250. At home, it's a 375 for the year. That equates to about a 317, and he's got 28 home runs, so that's been going well for him. And then you have Nolan Arenado, 20, 40 times, over 110 RBI. He got the day off yesterday, but he has been able to contribute. You then have Remy Tapia, along with Daniel Murphy and Tony Walters, going between a 270 and a 285. Need a little bit more out of guys like Sam. Familiar, Jonathan Diaz and guys like that. But I will say for Garrett Hampson, now hitting at 250 for this bunch. That has been very good for them. Fuentes in the infield has been hitting right around 200. That's been a little bit leaky. And for the Colorado Rockies, this is a team with the worst bullpen ERA in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break. Meanwhile, the Dodgers, they've actually got a pretty darn good bullpen, and I think that that's going to lead to a high-scoring game in which the Dodgers are going to be able to win convincingly. Now the run line of the Dodgers is very, very pricey. Minus 170, so I'm in C mode there. And we're going to be taking this total over. This total opened up 9. It is dipping a little bit with regards to the juice, so looking to see if I'm going to be able to get an 8.5 if at all possible, but going to be riding out both of those. 9.13, 9.14 on the bang rotation. The San Diego Padres play OCRs under Diamondbacks. Robbie Bray goes for the D backs. Meanwhile, Garrett Richards for the Padres. Your total on this game is 8.5. The under is juice anywhere between minus 115 and minus 110. Meanwhile, the over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. This is essentially a very, very small favorite spot for the Padres as they are lying anywhere between minus 1. 106 and minus 110. Meanwhile, if you like the D-backs, that's anywhere between minus 104 and even. And this is a spot where I've got to place my faith in Robbie Ray. He certainly has not looked like his normal self ever since being removed from a start a few weeks ago with a blister, but Garrett Richards is making just his second start of the year. He had been dealing with injuries and you take a look at his first start against the Milwaukee Brewers. He wound up not being able to make it out of the fourth inning. He gave up three runs in the process. He does a good job of being able to limit the hard contact throughout his career. He's given up right around .7 home runs per nine innings when he was with the Angels. Very solid guy. Wasn't necessarily getting a ton of swings and misses but at the same time he did have solid stuff and you take a look at Robbie Ray in his last start. He's able to bounce back very good. Six innings pitch giving up one run and I will say that that against the Miami Marlins, but with that said, he does look to be getting back to his old Robbie Ray self, but you do take a look at Robbie Ray, and he is a little bit of an all-or-nothing pitcher in that he gives up right around four, four and a half walks per nine innings. He gets a bunch of strikeouts right around 12 per nine innings, but he also does give up the long ball right around 1.5 per nine innings. This is an Arizona Diamondbacks team as well that they play more overs when they are on the road rather than when they are at home. And this is a Padres team that in 23 out of their last 27 games, they have scored four runs or fewer. I mean, it is absolutely insane. What has happened here to the San Diego Padres? You do have a couple guys that are doing a decent job, I guess, for this lineup. Eric Hosmer and Francisco Mejia both hitting between a 265 and a 275 for Hosmer, over 90 RBI. He has went deep 20 times. Manny Machado sitting on 30 home runs. He, along with Josh Naylor and Greg Garcia, are all hitting between a 241 and a 251. Manuel Margot is hitting right around a 240 as well. But then you got guys like Hunter Renfro, Luis Arias, Tim Janikowski. Austin Hedges, Austin Allen, list goes on and on of guys are hitting a 225 or lower. Ty France, I forgot about him. I apologize. They're just not getting a whole lot of contact or power at this point without Fernando Tatis Jr. Meanwhile, the Arizona Diamondbacks you got a lot of guys that are doing a decent job of being able to get on base. You've got Eduardo Escobar, who's got well over 110 RBI. He has went deep 35 times. Catal Marte's been out of the fold recently, but he's hitting a 320. He's got 32 home runs. You then also have to like the fact that Wilmer Flores has his batting average above a 300. Draw Dice is only hitting a 240 for this bunch, but he has been able to be one of the top ACOs out there in the big leagues. You need a little bit more out of guys like Josh Lamb and Alex Avila with regards to batting average, despite the fact that both these guys are hitting below a two- 220 though, they both have on base percentages that are 130 points higher than their batting averages. And Jake Lamb, who's hitting a buck 93, better on base percentage than Eduardo Escobar, who's hitting a 271. So I do find that a little bit deceiving. You then have a lot of guys that are hitting right in the realm of a 250 to a 265 for this team Christian Walker, Adam Jones, Nick Ahmad, Carson Kelly, Tim LaCastro, all in that neighborhood. So you've got a lot of guys that are doing a solid job of getting on base. Josh Roas hitting at 230 is a little bit rough. And these are two bullpens that actually should see a little bit of positive regression. They've actually performed better than their ERA would indicate based on their fielding independence. So I do think that you're going to see a little bit of that. But with that said, this is one of these situations in which I do think that Robbie Ray is going to give up a couple runs, but keep the game out in front of them. And on the other end, I do think that this is a spot in which the San Diego Padres are going to wind up having to use a lot of pieces because Garrett Richards, not not going to go long, and I don't think that it's going to go well for him. So for that reason, we are looking at the Arizona Diamondbacks in this spot, and I'm going to be taking this total over. With regards to the over, I'm in Wayne C mode as this opened up at 8.5, and, a half and it is dipping a little bit. Meanwhile, with the Arizona Diamondbacks, they opened up a slight favorite. Now they're a slight underdog, so looking to see how far that goes down as well. 9.15, 9.16 on the bagging rotation. The New York Yankees are going to be playing also the Toronto Blue Jays. Trent Thornton goes for the Jays. Meanwhile, Luis Severino for the New York Yankees. Your total on this game is nine and a half over juice of minus 115 the under is minus 105 if you're looking at the Yankees that is anywhere between minus 310 and minus 350 meanwhile for the Toronto Blue Jays that's anywhere between plus 260 and plus 270 I didn't do it as dramatic the first time I apologize and I have a deal in my contract where I have to say these names very excitedly, so Luis Severino in his first start wound up going four innings, did not give up a single earned run, and he's backed up by one of the best bullpens out there in the big leagues, but I just still have a tough time really placing my faith in Luis Severino in the second half of the year when he was actually healthy-ish last year. I'm sure that he was pitching through injury and everything like that, but he wound up being a gentleman that was giving up right around a home run and a half per nine innings, and his ERA was north of five. That was not necessarily good. Meanwhile, Trent Thornton, this is a spot where you do want to be checking your tickets before first pitch because the Blue Jays have been using bulk guys for him, but he's actually been good recently. Ever since the beginning of the month of August, he's allowed more than three earned runs in just one start, and in the month of September, across his three starts and or bulk appearances, 14 and two-thirds innings, he's given up two earned runs. That is actually very good. The strikeouts have actually come down a little bit for him, but yet he's still doing a great job of keeping the game out in front of him. He's now giving up right around 1.5 home runs per nine innings. The three-ish walks per nine innings, a little bit high, and he's backed up by a Toronto Blue Jays team that, let's face it, they don't have a lot of guys hitting for average, but the fact that they were able to get back into the full Lords Gariel, really helps out this bunch. Lords Gariel hitting right around 82, A2- 275 for this bunch, along with or Jr. Bo Bichette was out of the fold yesterday, so that is something that you don't want to know because he and Reese McGuire both think above a 300 for this team. And then you're getting something out of Roberto Urania; He's hitting a 260 for them, which is nice. But then you got a lot of guys like your Randall Gritchick, Stasco Hernandez, Justin Smokes, guys of this ilk, that they've got 20-plus home runs, and in the case of Randall Gritchick, 30 plus home runs, but they're hitting a 235 or lower. But I will say this for Gavon Vigio. A couple days ago, he wound up being able to hit for a cycle. He has been doing a great job of getting on base, nearly a 360 on base percentage. Meanwhile, you take a look at the New York Yankees. This is a team that now is Carlos Stanton back in the fold. He was able to get a home run yesterday. You got so many guys that are stepping up. Guys like Mike Talkman, Cameron Mabin have been able to do a decent job with their batting average above a 275. You then have Didi Gregorius and Brett Gardner, who actually need to pick it up a little bit. Dd Gregory sitting right around at 243, and Brett Gardner at 255. But Aaron Judge has been solid. He's hitting right around at 270. He's able to supply some power. Clint Frazier and Tyler Wade are both hitting between a 265 and a 270 themselves. You got Gio Urshela hitting at 320. D J LeMahieu got the day off yesterday, but he's been hitting at 320. He's got over 90 RBI. This is a loaded lineup that is still without Gary Sanchez and Edwin Encarnacion. These guys both have 30 plus home runs. They have been getting some rest recently, so you do want to note this. This is a spot though that. I I think that Trent Thornton gonna be able to turn a little bit of a gem and Luis Severino, it's just one of these situations where I can't lay three dollars on a guy that's made legitimately one start ever since last October. It's just something where I think the value here is on the Toronto Blue Jays. I like the recent form of Thornton. The bulk guy is probably going to be Wilmer Font if there is one. And Wilmer Font is a bulk guy, has been very good. And I do think that there's going to be some runs scored. Going to be taking the total over. And I think the one giving up the runs is going to be Luis Severino. So for that reason, taking the big plus price here of the Toronto Blue Jays. Don't think the public is going to be on either of these sides. So I'm on Wayne Simone on both the over and the Blue Jays. But we're going to be riding up both of those. 917, 918 on the batting rotation is X. The Seattle Mariners, set the road to face off against the Baltimore Orioles. Jonathan Means goes for the Baltimore Orioles. Marco Gonzalez for the Seattle Mariners. Total on this game is 9.5 under his juice of 115. The over is minus 105. If you're looking at the Baltimore Orioles, laying anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. Plus price here on the Mariners. Anywhere between plus 110 and plus 115. And these are a pair of good starters on really, really bad teams. And I will say for Mr. Jonathan Means, in his last start, he wound up giving up five runs the Detroit Tigers. Obviously that is not ideal. But with that said, in his previous four starts, he had given up two earned runs or fewer in every one of them. He had a bit of a slump coming out of the All-Star break, but he has been doing a very good job recently. Sands at one start. And Marco Gonzalez coming off a really good outing against the Pittsburgh Pirates. He was able to lead the team to victory. He went seven strong innings, giving up no earned runs. And for that matter, in his last two starts, a grand total of 14 innings, he gave up two earned runs. Previous start he gave up four to the Houston Astros, but that's very, very respectable. And all in all, you take a look at some of his starts. In the month of August, he wound up against the Tampa Bay Rays twice, gave up home runs out of every one of those starts. He has been solid. He hasn't been great, but he hasn't been awful. He's done a good job of keeping the ball in the yard, giving up right around one home runs per nine innings. Meanwhile, Jonathan Means, he does give up more around 1.4-ish home runs per nine innings, but does a little bit of a better job with the walks. And with both of these teams, you certainly do have a lot of famine bats. With the Seattle Mariners, you're just getting nothing right now out of so many guys with regards to their batting average. J.P. Crawford, Daniel Vogoback, Dylan Moore, Malik Smith, Ryan Court, Ryan Fraley, Keon Broxen, Mac Williamson. I'm sure I left out a name or two. All these guys hitting a 230 or lower, but I will say for Malik Smith, league leader in regards to stolen bases, you are getting a couple guys who are doing a good job of being able to get on base as well. Kyle Seager has cooled down ever since his hot August, but he still has 20-plus home runs. His batting average hovering right around 245. How about Shed Long? He's hitting nearly a 290. Kyle Lewis has been a great story for this team. He's got six home runs in essentially 11 games, hitting a .350. You also do have Tom Murphy and Omar DeVias at the catcher spot. Both these guys hitting a .275 or greater. Combined 37 home runs between them. And then with Daniel Vogelback, though, he's hitting just a .211. He's got 30-plus home runs on base percentage of a .344. Austin Nola and D Gordon, both hitting between a 270 and a .275. And Domingo Santana... Wound up making a return appearance for this team. He's hitting a 255 when the Ice K rates out there in the big leagues, but he actually had a very good first half of the year. Meanwhile, the Baltimore Orioles, you do have a couple guys that are doing something good. The Austin Say Hayes kid hitting above a 300 for this bunch and made one of the best catches that you're going to see all year long earlier in this series. Answer Roberto hitting a 314. You then have Trey Boomba Mancini hitting a 286. He has got a whole bunch of home runs, 33 for him. Renato Nunez has went deep 28 times. His batting average is hovering right around a 245. Anthony Santander's now hitting right around a 270. I should been dipping a little bit, but Jonathan Villar hitting a 275. is nice. Pedro Severino sitting at a 250 for this bunch. Rio Ruiz hitting more in the realm of a 240. But then, as I mentioned before, you do have some famine bats with this team. Chris Davis, Chance Cisco, Richie Martin, Stevie Wilkerson, and Jace Peterson all guys are currently hitting 225 or lower for this bunch. So you do have that. And with the Baltimore Orioles, you've got a historically bad bullpen. Meanwhile, the Mariners, you have just a bad bullpen. And we have noticed that Marco Gonzalez typically goes about an inning more than Jonathan Means. But I do think that Jonathan Means is going to be able to hold down the fort here a little bit more. I do think that the Baltimore Orioles have a little bit more sheer power in their lineup. So for that reason, I'm going to be looking at the Baltimore Orioles in this spot and I'm going to be taking this total under. I'm actually noticing that there's money coming in on the Baltimore Orioles, so I'm probably going to have to lock this in right now while I still can. And in regards to this under, I don't think a whole lot of people are going to be on it. I'm noticing a little bit of money coming to the under, but I'm going to see if I'm able to get a little bit more of an under 9:19, 9:20, on the betting rotation is up next. The Chicago White Sox hit the road to face off against the Detroit Tigers. Matthew Boyd goes for the Tigers. Meanwhile. Rinaldo Lopez for the Chicago White Sox. If you're looking at the White Sox, you're getting even money. Meanwhile, the Detroit Tigers are minus 110. The over on this game is minus 115. The under is minus 105, and the total is nine. And this is a spot where I am all aboard Operation Fade Matthew Boyd. This is a guy that ever since the beginning of the month of June, the team has won three of its starts. I believe that that is approximately 3-16. It might be 3-17. Either way, it's either not good or or it's not good. And then you take a look at what Ronaldo Lopez has done recently. Ah, that is also not good. But to Ronaldo Lopez's credit, He hasn't given up three home runs per nine innings over a three-month sample size like Matthew Boyd. It blows my mind that everyone thinks that he's actually a decent starter because this guy has been absolutely awful. He's, ironically enough, been one of the worst starters out there in the big leagues, and yet he's the highest-priced Detroit Tigers starter and is a favorite in a game. Why is he a favorite against anyone at this point is beyond me. I will say for Ronaldo Lopez over the course of his last nine starts, he has given up three or more earned runs in six of them, though I will say he did have a start earlier this year against a little bit more replenished Detroit Tigers team, in which he went six innings going 14 strikeouts, and he did have a complete game one hitter against the Cleveland Indians earlier this year, and we all know that with the Detroit Tigers, the bullpen is not very good, and for the White Sox, I wouldn't say it's Simona Lisa Vito pitching, but at the same time, it's actually halfway decent, and with the Chicago. Chicago. Chicago White Sox. Unlike the Detroit Tigers, you've got guys with more than 14 home runs in late September in the juice ball era. As for the Chicago White Sox, you have Lloris Garcia, Jose Abreu, Eloy Jimenez, along with James McCann, hitting between a 267 and a 282. For Jose Abreu, he's been doing a great job with his power. He's got 121 RBI to go along with 34 home runs. You then also have Eloy Jimenez really stepping out as well. This is a guy that now has reached the 25-plus home run plateau. Yohan Moncada hitting a 315. he He's got over 20 home runs, so he's been doing a great job. Got a couple guys that do need to pick it up with a bat, like Wellington Casillo, Zach Collins, and Daniel Polka is still sitting on two hits for the year, ladies and gentlemen. That's absolutely awful. But Yomer Sanchez is sitting at 255. that That's been decent. Adam Engels pulled up his batting average to a his battering mate Ryan Cordell is still hitting right around at 225, but things are getting better for this team. And then you throw in there Tim Anderson, guy that never walks, but is hitting at 335. And with the Detroit Tigers, right now your best power hitter is Brandon Dixon with 15 home runs and a 250 batting average. Now you do have a couple guys that are getting on base. Harold Castro and Victor Reyes, both hitting right around at 300. Darwell Lugos hitting right around to 240, along with Christian Stewart as well. And then you do have Miguel Cabrera wound up getting the day off yesterday, hitting a two eighty for this bunch of Jody Mercer, more around a two seventy five. Then drives right. Jason Rogers, Ronnie Rodriguez, Willie Castro. Haimir Candelario, Gordon Beckham, Grayson Griner, Jordan Hicks. list goes on of guys that are hitting a 225 or lower. It is absolutely astonishing. This is just a Tigers team that is not getting a whole lot generated. And yet, despite all that, I'm going to take this total over because I think that the Tigers are going to wind up getting lit up once again because that is all that Matthew Boyd is good for so far this year. And with the Detroit Tigers, they're historically bad at home at 21-55. and 55. And their run line performance as a favorite, 7 and 14. All aboard the Chicago White Sox in the spot and all aboard the over. I'm in Wayne Simo because for some reason, money is coming in on the opposite sides of both of these. So I'm in Wayne Semo, but we're certainly going to be riding out both. 921, 922 on the bang rotation. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be playing also the Boston Red Sox. Nathan Eovaldi goes for the Boston Red Sox. Ryan Yarbrough for the Tampa Bay Rays. Your total on this game is eight and a half. Overs anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and even. Seeing a nine out there as well. That under is minus 120. The over is even. If you're looking at the Rays, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 170 and minus 180. Meanwhile, plus race here on the Boston Red Sox. Between plus 155 and plus 160, as I sound like an auctioneer going this fast. But with that said, something has been going fast is the season of Nathan Eovaldi. He has been getting stretched out a little bit, and He's been beginning to look a little bit better for the Boston Red Sox, but with that said, his last start was certainly a hiccup. He winds up going up against the San Francisco Giants, goes four innings, giving up five runs, all of which were not He had been looking better in his most recent start slash bulk appearances in the month of August. He wound up giving up more than two earned runs in just one occasion. He had went from start being an opener for two innings, and then three, and then four. Now he should be able to go like five or six, and he is facing his old team. Meanwhile, with Ryan Yarbrough, you heard it from from our man, Rich Hollenberg, he has been absolutely sensational for this team. Now, the month of September has not been kind to him. He's given up three or more earned runs in each of his last three starts, but prior to that, I think he had given up more than three earned runs once since the beginning of the month of June. So this is a guy that's had some very electrifying stuff. It's giving up right around .85 home runs per nine innings. And here's something really, really remarkable. 17 walks in 133 and a third innings. That is lights out. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, they're going to be sending at the Boston Red Sox a lineup that does have a very good player in Austin Meadows. We were talking about it a little bit earlier. Guy's hitting right around a 285, 32 home runs. He has just been absolutely terrific whenever he's been out there on the field for this team. You do have a couple guys earning between 18 and 22 home runs as well. Willie Adamas is in that fold. I think Travis D'Arnaud is just below that. But then you've got Aviciel Garcia and Tommy Pham in that realm as well. In the case of Pham along with Garcia, both these guys hitting right around a 275. You've got a lot of guys on this team also hitting between, I would say, a 245 and a 260. Adamas is in that realm along with Matt Duffy. Nate Lowe, Travis Sayernot, G Man Choi, and Jesus Aguilar is just below that before but in his time with the Tampa Bay Rays, he's been doing much better. And then you got Mark Perseo hitting a 275 for this team as well. Need a little bit more out of Joey Wendell and Kevin Kiermaier. They're both hitting between a 225 and a 235, but this is a pretty good lineup. Meanwhile, for the Boston Red Sox, they now have Mookie Betts back in the fold. He's got a 292 batting average. Also getting some home runs out of Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts, along with JD Martinez. All three of these guys hitting between a 299 and a 309. And all these guys have between 31 and 35 home runs. It's been really good. Brock Holtz is hitting above a 300. Batting average has been dipping a little bit, but all in all, it's been good. Do you need a little bit more out of guys like Sandy Leon, Jackie Bradley Jr., and... Chris Owings whenever he's out there, but you do have Andrew Benintendi along with Christian Vasquez both inning in the realm of a 270 Marco Hernandez spending a 250 for this bunch of Mitch Moreland right around a 240 and he's got some pop in the bat. This is a situation where I do think that Eovaldi is going to give a couple decent innings, but I do think that it's going to go a little bit sour for him. I do think that this is a total that's going to stay under as well. With the Boston Red Sox, ever since the beginning of the month of August, their bullpen ERA ranks in the top five in the big leagues and the Tampa Bay Rays. We all know about their bullpen. I think the Rays win this game by multiple runs, so. So could we take them a- Raise on the run line. That is currently plus 110 to lay a run and a half in wing C mode there and also going to be taking the total under. With the under this is currently a spot in which I'm trying to see if I am able to get a little bit more of that unjuiced nine because this total open up nine, went to an unjuiced eight and a half. Going to see if it flickers back. If not, I'll take the unjuiced eight and a half but going to be riding it out either way. 923, 924 on the bang rotation. The Minnesota Twins playoffs the Kansas City Royals. Jorge Lopez goes for the Kansas City Royals. Martín Pérez for the Minnesota Twins. Your total on this game is 10.5. The under is even, and the juice on the over is minus 120. If you're looking at the Kansas City Royals, well, you're getting a big plus price here. Anywhere between plus 185 and plus 195. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it here with the Minnesota Twins, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 210 and minus 220. And I just have to say, Jorge López has actually been really good in his recent starts. Meanwhile, with Martin Perez, it's been very, very rocky. Towards the end of the month of August, he had actually been doing a very good job. He had given up 300 runs or fewer in I believe three of his last four starts in that month, but then A couple weeks ago, he winds up giving up five runs in an inning to the Detroit Tigers of all teams. And in his last start, he didn't necessarily look great. He winds up giving up three runs and ten hits over the course of four and two-thirds innings against the Chicago White Sox. Starts before that, gives up five runs and five innings against the Washington Nationals. Meanwhile, with Lopez, when he was relegated out of the starting lineup in the early summer months, he was the second least profitable pitcher out there in the big leagues. In the three starts that he's had in September, he has been anything but it. How about a grand total of 17 and a third innings, giving up four runs, all of which have been earned. He has actually been doing a very good job. In the month of August, he wasn't really finding it, and this is still not a guy that's going to give you a whole bunch of punch-outs. For the year, he's getting right around eight per nine innings. He actually, in this month, in this stretch in September has been getting fewer strikeouts than he has the rest of the year, but it's actually been working for him. And the Kansas City Royals are a team that's starting to put up a couple runs. So I will say that their lineup is quite top heavy. You do have Whitmerfield hitting above a 300 for this bunch. He has really been a constant for them. You then have Adelberto Mondesi, Jorge Soler, and Alex Gordon, lying between a 259 and a 265. Ryan McBroom, sitting a 321, which has been huge. And you got to say this for Solaire, this is a man that is hitting a whole bunch of home runs. 45 home runs over 110 RBI has been absolutely sensational for this team. But then you got a lot of guys that they are leaving a little bit of something to be desired. Eddie Mejia, along with Nicky Lopez, are hitting right around a 230. And then you do have Jessler Cuthbert hitting at 252 as well. But then. Brett Phillips, Bubba Starlin, Umberto Ortega, Miles Valoria, Ryan O'Hearn, Lucas Duda, Nick Dini. All guys are currently hitting a 225 or lower for this bunch. Meanwhile, with the Minnesota Twins, you're looking at the team with the most home runs in the history of baseball for a single season. You've got Miguel Sano, don't you know he's got over 30 home runs. You've got Luis Arreyas at the top lineup, 412 on base percentage, hitting nearly a 350. Jorge Polanco's been aiming nearly a 300 with 20-plus home runs. Nelson Cruz, 39 home runs of his own. He's hitting above a 300. Eddie Rosario along with Mitch Garver. Both have right around 30 home runs. Rosario, over 80 RBI, 275 batting average. Then you've got guys like Max Kepler who have 35 home runs, 250 batting average. CJ Crone, Jonathan Scope, Jake Cave. All these guys are very capable bats. I will say this for the Minnesota Twins. Bullpen has wiltered a little bit since the All-Star break, but they've actually been playing a lot of unders ever since the beginning of the month of September. Meanwhile, the Kansas City Royals, they don't necessarily have the best of bullpens, but it's one of those situations where sometimes it's very good Sometimes it's very bad. And I actually think that Mr. Lopez is going to be able to deliver a good start. And I think that Martin Perez gets blown up. So for that reason, we're going to be riding with the plus price here of the Kansas City Royals. And we're going to be taking this total under. With regards to the under, going to see if this climbs to 11 because the juice is right now on the over. So looking to see if this elevates a little bit more. Meanwhile, I'm currently in Wayne Simo because I don't think that there's going to be too many people daring enough to take the... Kansas City Royals like I am. We go to a game that is presently off the board. 925-926 on the betting rotation. The Houston Astros going to be playing OC LA Angels. Jose Rodriguez goes for the Angels. Meanwhile, Justin Verlander on the bump for the Astros. This game is presently off the board because nobody had any idea that Rodriguez was going to be going here and this is a spot where you've just got to be looking at the over and you've got to be looking at the run line of the Houston Astros. I don't care what it is. Looking at Jose Rodriguez's stats right now, he wound up being more or less a reliever at the AAA level, and you got to think that he's going to be an opener. I think it might be for Jose Suarez, and if that's the case, then just really hammer the over. I mean, this is one of these guys where Jose Suarez has went more than Four and two-thirds innings in one start. He's given up over two home runs per nine innings. And Jose Rodriguez being the opener, oh my goodness gracious. This is a guy that has made six appearances at the big league level as a 184 ERA. But at the AAA level, now I realize that there is a juice ball in the PCL. He made 18 appearances. 629 ERA, whip of a 158. He was giving up 1.5 home runs per nine innings, four and a half walks per nine. Meanwhile, at the AA level, he's getting 12.5 strikeouts per nine innings, but in five appearances, he provided 17 third innings, a 7.27 ERA at AA Mobile. That's who's starting right now for the LA Angels. And he's going up against a guy, Justin Verlander, that I believe has given up three earned runs or fewer in pretty much every one of his starts ever since the... Middle of June, he's given up really one home run ever since the Detroit Tigers were able to have that insane win when they were the $5 underdog at MGM and everything like that, so... Justin Verlander has been in great form. The LA Angels, one of the worst bullpens out there in the big leagues. When it comes to bullpen ERA in the month of August, they were in the bottom five in that regard. Meanwhile, the Houston Astros have the top bullpen ERA in the American League ever since the All-Star break. And for the Houston Astros, this is a team that is just loaded with so much talent. George Springer, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, Yuri Gurriel, Michael Brantley, all guys that have a batting average of a .288 or greater. And all guys with 22-plus home runs, Carlos Correa is getting back in the fold. 280 batting average for him. He's got 21 home runs and a very limited amount of at-bats. Josh Reddick hitting nearly 275. Miles Straw is hitting at 255. Abraham Toro and Garrett Subs haven't necessarily panned out yet, but Robinson Torinos is doing a great job. Kyle Tucker's hitting at 320. And then for the LA Angels, you're currently without Shohei Otani, Mike Trout and Justin Upton, which means that right now, Daniel Fletcher is the only guy in the lineup with a batting average above a 265. Now, you do have Andrelton simmons and Brian Goodwin both hitting approximately a 262. Kevin Smith, along with Albert Pools and cohort are both hitting in the realm of a 249 and a 251. And in the case of Albert Pujols, he's actually been doing a little bit of something, 91 RBI, 23 home runs. A cool alone, it's one 20 32 times, but his batting average is right around a 235. And you got a lot of guys that are, are not doing a whole lot with their batting average. Wilfredo Tovar, Justin Bohr, Michael Hermosillo, Max Stassi, Matt Theus, Taylor Ward. list goes on and on of guys that are hitting a 215 or lower Luis Ranquifo is out of the fold as well. This is a team that just doesn't have a lot of offensive firepower. They don't have a lot of bullpen pitching. Their starter absolutely stinks, unless if I see something ridiculous, like once again, $5 on the Houston Astros. Going to be taking a look at the Houston Astros on the run line. I'm going to be taking a look at this total over because I think the Astros can get there all by themselves. As always, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRS41 because we have seen some insanity, but that's right now where I'm leaning. 27 9, 28 on the bank rotation. The Texas Rangers hit the road to face off against the Oakland A's. Tanner Roark goes for the A's team. Meanwhile, Lance Lynn on the bump for the Texas Rangers. Total on this game is 8 and the juice is very funky. Anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. And I'm seeing a minus 117 out there as well, which means that the under is anywhere between even and minus 105. If you're looking at the Texas Rangers, you're going to be getting a big plus price here that is anywhere between plus 160 and plus 166. Want to lay it here with the Oakland A's. That's anywhere between minus 180 and minus 180. Eighty-three. Tanner Rorak had a very good start to his career with the Oakland A's. The last couple starts have not necessarily been so good. In his last start against the Kansas City Royals, he winds up giving up four runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings. He winds up getting the win, but he gives up five runs of five and two-thirds to start before that against the Houston Astros. Prior to that, he had given up more than two earned runs in just one start with the Oakland A's. So things seem to be catching up with him a little bit. He is very much a fly ball pitcher. And the fact that this is going to be a day game in Oakland is absolutely devastating. For him, because the marine layer is typically out during the nighttime. During the daytime, not so much. He's done a good job with his command, less than two walks per nine innings with the Oakland A's. But ever since going to Oakland, he's given up more than two runs per nine innings. Meanwhile, Vlasic. For the year, he's given up less than a home run per nine innings. Not quite as good on the road as he is at home, but he's still very solid. He's getting right around 10 strikeouts per nine innings, 377 ERA. Guy has been the monocone of consistency. Now in his last start against the Houston Astros, things weren't necessarily ideal when he gave up four earned runs, but that's what the Houston Astros will do to you as He's given up more than three earned runs in just Two starts ever since July 21st. So, this guy has been doing a very good job for this team. And you take a look at the Texas Rangers, well, They got absolutely slaughtered yesterday, but this is a bunch that they do have a couple guys doing an okay job of being able to hit. You can tell that they have been one of the top under teams in baseball because they just don't have a whole lot of power in the lineup. You do have Noah Mazzara, Willie Cowan, Elvis Sanders, and Sin lying between a 265 and a 270. Most of these guys are hitting right around 18 to 22 home runs aside from Elvis Sanders, so don't have great power there. Danny Santana does have 25 home runs hitting right around a 285. That's been nice for this team to lie on the Shields Jr. sitting at two 250, one of the better base stealers that you're going to find out there in the big leagues. And Nick Solak, ever since getting called up to the big leagues, on-base for right around a 400, 305 batting average. But then you've got a lot of guys that do need to pick it up with the bats. Isaiah Knier-Falfa. Tim Fedorowicz, Jeff Mathis, Steve Heineman, Ronald Guzman, Ruben Adedor, all in a 230 or lower. I will say for Adedor, he leads the team in home runs and RBI to go with his 202 batting average. Of, so, he's providing a little bit of something. And for the Oakland A's, this is a team that has just been mashing not just left-handed pitching, but now all pitching as you've got quite a few guys hitting in that realm of a 270 and a 285. Marcus Simeon, Matt Olson, Mark Canna, all in that realm. The Matt's Matt Chapman and Matt Olson, both between 33 and 35 home runs. For Olsen, he's hitting a 271 Chapman more around a 246. For for Marcus Simeon, he's got over 30 home runs. Mark Canna has been doing a good job of being able to go deep as well. His home run count currently at a 25. You are getting a little bit of something at the bottom of the lineup. Guys like Sheldon Noyce, Jeff Feigley, and Chad Pender hitting between a 239 and 249. Chris Davis and Drix, a profile for the year, hitting right around 220. That's been a little bit of an issue, but you do bring back Ramon Loreno as well. Loreno, 22 home runs in a limited amount of at-bats. He's hitting a 290 obviously a great defender as well. And then you've got some other guys that whenever you need them, like a Seth Brown and Sean Murphy, that they are able to contribute wherever needed. So this is a complete Oakland A's team. The bullpen has been pretty decent so far this year. Meanwhile, the Texas Rangers have been a little bit shaky, but I think that Lance Lynn is going to be able to provide a lot of good innings, and I do think that Tanner O'Rourke is going to be giving up some runs in this spot. And this is a spot where, with the game being during the daytime, it's going to be very hitter-friendly. So for that reason, Going to be taking a look at this plus price here with the Texas Rangers. And I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. This total opened up actually at 9. It has dipped all the way to an 8. I've already locked it in because I think there's going to be a little bit of buyback. Meanwhile, the Rangers and we ain't see them out here, especially after that buck kicking yesterday, think that all the money is going to be in on the Oakland A's. And we wrap things up with 929, 930 on the betting rotation. The Cleveland Indians are going to be playing also Philadelphia Phillies. Vince Velasquez goes for the Philadelphia Phillies. Adam Blutko for the Cleveland Indians. Your total on this game is 10. The over and under are both at minus 110. If you're looking at the Indians, you're going to be laying between minus 140, minus 145. Plus price here on the Phillies, anywhere between plus 128 and plus 130. Seems like the MO recently of Mr. Velasquez has been go five innings, give up between two and three earned runs and alternate them. That's exactly what he's done. Seven and seven record 489 ERA. You take a look at what he's done in the month of September. He's went a grand total over his three starts of 12 and a third innings and he's given up seven earned runs and he's actually been doing a great job of being able to get some punch outs. He's got 18 strikeouts in that time period so he's been doing a little bit of a better job in that regard. Not necessarily regarded as a high K guy but for the year he's got right around 10 nine innings so that's been good. Meanwhile, Adam Pluko is actually actually been very good. Got off to a really rough start to the year, but this is a guy that has given up two earned runs or fewer in Five out of his last six starts, he did wind up giving up a four spot to begin the month of September in a start against the Tampa Bay Rays, but by and large, he has been doing a very good job for the year. He's given up right around two home runs per nine innings, but that has not been the case recently. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, this is just the all or nothing team I keep talking about on this podcast. They're either going to be terrific like they were yesterday, hanging a whole bunch of runs on the board, or they're going to give you like one run. And you do have for the Philadelphia Phillies, A couple guys doing a good job of being able to get on base. Gene Segura, Cesar Hernandez... JT Riomuto, all guys hitting between a 275 and a 285. Adam Hasili has been hitting right around a 265 as well. And then you got Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins, both with an on-base percentage of a 372. And both these guys have between 29 and 33 home runs for Bryce Harper, over 100 RBI as well. But Reese Hoskins for the year only hitting a 233. And that's been an issue with a lot of these guys. Brad Miller's also hitting a 233. You've got Mikel Franco in that realm as well. Whenever you've got out there a guy like Sergio Rodriguez and Jay Bruce, they for the year have been hitting right around at 220, so don't have a lot of great batting averages. Meanwhile, the Cleveland Indians at the top, you've got Francisco Lindor, Oscar Mercado, and Carlos Santana, all in between a 281 and 291 for Lindor. He's got 31 home runs. Mr. Santana has went deep a grand total of 34 times. You do have Femi Reyes, who as a... Cleveland Indians up been doing a great job with the batting average, but he's got 34 home runs for the year. You need a little bit more of guys like Kevin Pilecki, Yu Chang, Flaherty in the infield. These guys are all in a 220 or lower, but Jordan Luplo along with Mike Freeman both hanging in the realm of a 275 Yassi Puig hitting a 265 as well. Jake Bowers has been hanging right around a 240 and then you notice that Jason Kipnis has been out of the fold, so team has been trying to piecemeal that together. And with the Cleveland Indians, top bullpen with regards to ERA out there in the big league so far this year. Meanwhile, the Philadelphia if you feel i have actually had one of the best bullpen ERAs ever since the All-Star break as well, but I do think that this is a spot where Pluko gives a little bit of a better start for the Indians. I think it's a lower scoring game, but I think the Indians, just because they are a little bit more consistent, are going to be able to pull this one out, and I think they are a little bit more well-rounded. So for that reason, looking at the Indians on the money line and the total under, currently we can see about both of these. Notice a little bit of money coming in on the Philadelphia Phillies, and this total actually opened up more in the realm of 9.5. It's already up to 10, so trying to see how high it goes. And that will wrap things up for this edition of MLB Overtime Betting, the Sunday edition. A big thanks to Rich Holmberg of the Tampa Bay Rays TV network for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question for the podcast, feel free to tweet it at TuneInRus41. And let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. We'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. And thank you so much for tuning in.